Good day. Welcome to Last Mash. Uh, this is our first podcast of the new year and happy new year to you. Pray that uh, God will lead and guide us this year in doing bigger things for him. We want to bring a thought to you today out of the book of Jude, uh, the little book of Jude with a big message. Uh, want to read a few verses to begin with and point out maybe two or three things that Jude instructs us as Christians to do in these days of apostasy that we live and, and what I would say are the last days, the last days that the church will be upon the earth. Of course, Jude being the last little book before the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. But he says in verse 20, but ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. As Jude begins his book, he makes something pretty clear to us. And then there are other things that he makes pretty clear, points out in the last days, these ones of apostasy, the characteristics of them and the behavior of them. You can't always look at someone externally and see who they are, but the Holy Spirit reveals the inside of a person, whether they be a Christian or not, whether the Holy Spirit is within them. But he starts off Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. He says, sanctified, he calls the saints of God sanctified. And in the latter part of verse three, he says, the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. But as he's talking to us here, he starts the book off just to remind us that we're separated. God has sanctified us, and the word sanctified means separated. God has called us as Christians and separated us from this world. He separated us for his service and for his will. And he says, separated by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Now, when I see this word preserved, my mind goes back to uh, Noah and the ark. When Noah went into the ark, it was God who summonsed him into the ark, and it was God who shut the door. But prior to that, um, God had instructed Noah to build an ark, and he had instructed him on specific dimensions and types of wood. And one of the things that he said to Noah, he said, was pitch this within and without with pitch. Now that pitch is a, is a doctrine of the Holy Spirit, and that was a type of the Holy Spirit. When he sealed that ark from the outside, it was judgment proof. And when he sealed it on the inside, Noah would be sealed in. And the judgment waters could not penetrate that ark because it was sealed. Neither could Noah get out of that ark because God had sealed him in. So when I see this word preserved, it reminds me that just as that ark was uh, uh, the, the ark of safety for Noah and his family, for all of us who put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is our, he is our ark of safety. When we're in Christ, we're safe, we're judgment proof because Christ uh, was judged at Calvary in our place. God poured his wrath out upon Jesus Christ uh, 
in our place, when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, then we are preserved in Christ. Now, he, he, he goes on to say, and called. If God doesn't call you, now there's a general call that goes out uh, by the gospel and through the gospel, a universal call, a call to repent, a call to, uh, to the gospel. But there's a specific call. God calls each one of us individually. God's about the individual. God cares for each individual on this planet, and God sends the general call, and then there's a specific call. God, God calls us to repentance. <clears throat> but as he is talking here, he talks about, um, in verse 3, the common salvation. Uh, the common salvation that we all know about, that it's, it has appeared to all men. Uh, but he goes on to say, uh, in the latter part of it, he says, and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. So the faith is the word of God, the gospel. Jesus said, when I return, will I find the faith on the earth? The faith is the faith of the word of God, the faith of the gospel, the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not random belief, not some psych out that you believe something so hard and so strong and you get disappointed. But he said, contend for the faith, the faith. Romans ten seventeen says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, as he goes on through this little book and he begins to talk about the ones that God judged, he talks about in the eternity past judgment of angels, the the past judgment of Israel because they did not believe, verse 5 and 6, and he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah, how he judged them. And he lets us know that um, we as Christians, we will... Uh, well, 1 John 1, 9 says, we as Christians, if we're faithful and just to confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. If we will confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus took a towel and a basin and washed his disciples' feet. We as Christians, of course, our sins were judged at Calvary, but we can get out of fellowship with God. We can have the sin of this world dirty our feet and our hands. But the Lord Jesus promised that he would cleanse us. If we would come and confess, he would cleanse. So if we'll go to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I can't imagine uh, any Christian who would um, not be aware that, that you are walking in darkness and out of fellowship because the Holy Spirit is within us and he's the one. In fact, Paul said in Ephesians, grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. Just as the ark I was telling you about was uh, that pitch within and without was a type of the Holy Spirit and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's within every believer. In fact, Paul said in Romans 8, if you have not the Spirit of Christ, you're none of his. So the Holy Spirit is the new birth, the regenerate power of the Holy Spirit that comes within us when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and makes a new creature out of us, makes us a new creature. In fact, Paul said in Ephesians to put off the old man and put on the new. The new man is the Holy Spirit within us, and we still have a flesh to contend with. But as he talks about the judgments, 
for every believer, our sins were judged at Calvary, but we can get ourselves out of fellowship with God. But God says, if we'll confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So we as Christians can go to him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done that. I messed up. Please forgive me. And he's faithful and just to cleanse us and forgive us. But as he talks about the judgment and he goes on through a lot of these different chapters to point out those who have not the spirit of Christ, for those who are posers, for those who are uh, pretending to be something that they're not. He makes a few examples of those and he refers to them. He says, these are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about with winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of sea, foaming out uh, their own shame, wandering stars to whom reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So he's given us a, a characterization of these people. And even in some of the other verses, he talks about uh, these be they who, are who have separated themselves, sensual, having not the spirit, he calls them mockers. Uh, he calls them uh, the ones who speak great swelling words and uh, having men's persons in their admiration because of advantage. But he talks to us as believers, as we observe these things, be not taken in by these people. Because if one has not the fruit of the Spirit, if one not doesn't have the character that the Holy Spirit puts within us, the character which we're to follow Christ, we're to exhibit. In fact, the word Christian means to be Christ-like. But as he talks to us here, and of course we're in a we're in a time of confusion in our country. We're in a time of uh, people that's um, being deceived, quite frankly, and people who are. Uh, pretty much in the time of apostasy that are walking away from the truth and denying the very truth. And he said in these verses that these would uh, actually be deniers of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. As he uh, points out the different uh, people here, he actually calls them uh, dreamers and he calls them filthy dreamers to defile the flesh, despise dominion and speak evil of dignities. And of course, we see in our day um, those that are not in reality, as he talks about the filthy dreamers, people who are not in reality. They're living in some fantasy land. They think they can be something that they're not. They get their very, their very bodies changed into something they're not. They're dreamers is what he says. And he talked about despising dominion. Those who uh, blatantly uh, hate authority. We see a lot of that happening on our streets with uh, the police, how they're so abused. And I'm not saying there aren't some corrupt cops. There are, but surely all of them cannot be. But we have those who are despisers of authority, those who will not submit to authority. And then he also talks about speaking evil of dignities. So, uh, they think they have a right to speak evil of somebody, but even as he goes on here to talk about Michael made not an accusation even against the devil, 
who came to him disputing of the body of Moses. He respected, in fact, um, Lucifer was God's highest creation. When God created Lucifer, it was his, I won't say greatest creation, but it was his highest creation. And of course, we know what happened. Uh, Lucifer, he fell and became Satan, the devil. But Michael made not an accusation against him uh, because he respected God's creation. So the whole point is, even though we don't agree with others, we have to submit to the authority of the law. We have to ask God to put love in our heart and compassion, and even says that a few verses over to the Christian. We have to ask God to help us, but we see these who cannot. They're defiant, they're rebellious, they're dreamers, which mean they do not live in reality. They create their own little worlds, which is very, very unhealthy mentally as well as spiritually. But he laid before that, that God will judge. One thing we can we can know from this Bible is God is holy. God is righteous. God will judge sin. There's no question. If God uh, judged Jesus in our place at Calvary, spared not his own son, the Bible says that God will not spare us. In fact, Hebrews says, if we neglect so great a salvation, how shall we escape? So Jesus Christ is our salvation. Jesus Christ is our safety. Jesus Christ is, he, we're preserved in him, but those outside of him are awaiting judgment. In fact, the Bible says that we, we as those who are lost uh, are under God's wrath now, but he talks about the ungodly men. And ungodly, you, you might think that uh, somebody who's ungodly would have to be an extreme murderer or, or something of that nature. But the ungodly just simply means one who excludes God from their life. That's ungodliness. If one claims to be something, they claim to be a Christian and they leave God out of their life, you're no more a Christian than a man in the moon. To be ungodly is just simply to leave God out of your life. And a lot of people who claim to be a Christian, they get up out of bed, they go and do their own thing, they have their own way, they seek their own will, they make their own laws, they never regard God in their life. And that's what he's talking about in this book. The apostasy is to turn from the truth and people have turned from the truth, but he told us as Christians, he says about the uh, contending for the faith, the faith of the word of God, the faith, which is the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. We must contend for it, but he gives us some things that we need to do in these latter days. In verse 20, he says, but ye beloved building up yourselves. Now, boy, that's uh, quite a statement there, isn't it? I thought once we got saved, it was all said and done. Trouble's over, utopias, great life. No more problems, no more troubles. But he says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. What does he mean by that? Well, if, if we are to live a life that is victorious in Christ, now when, when a person gets saved, the Holy Spirit comes within us, but we have to do something. He says, build up yourselves. We have to work on ourselves. Paul said, put off the old man and put on the new. So the old man, we still have a flesh we have to contend with, even though the Holy Spirit is within us. Every believer, we have the Holy Spirit within us. But keep in mind, 
Paul wrote in uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, uh, if any man be in Christ, there is therefore, no there's therefore now no condemnation to anyone that is in Christ. Old things have passed away, according to what he said in Corinthians, and the new, th the whole, all things become new. But as he talks to us here, he says, build up your faith, build up your most holy faith. So we have to work on ourselves. If we, if we try to feast on this world, if we try to follow after this world as a Christian, we're going to be one miserable puppy. We're going to be defeated. We're never going to have uh, any peace. We're never going to have uh, any rest. It's just always going to be turmoil and struggle. And believe me, there's enough of that, even if you are trying to work on your heart and work on your, yourself. Uh, to get closer to the Lord, but he says, uh, be, uh, but ye beloved build, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. So, and then he says, praying in the Holy ghost. Well, that's another unusual statement. Uh, praying in the Holy ghost. What, what, what's he talking about? Well, most of us go to God with a a laundry list. We go to God with a Christmas list. We go to God with everything we want. And, uh, you know, like taking a little kid in the store, a little kid looks at everything and he wants it and goes, daddy, daddy, will you get this for me? And that's how we go to God. Lord, I'm, this is what I need. But I believe that when we are working on our heart and we're working on getting closer to the Lord, we're working on God, uh, uh, trying to get closer to us and we get closer to him I believe that as this happens, the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us to where we worship God. When we get in prayer, it's a worship. When we kneel down to pray, it's an adoration of God. We uh, adore him. We think about what the Lord Jesus did for us. We think about how precious the word of God is. And we, we know how the Holy Spirit through the word of God builds our heart and speaks to our soul and just lifts our spirit and lifts us to to that higher plane that God has called us to live on and it's to worship him and when we kneel down to pray it's a prayer of of adoration it's a prayer of worship it's a prayer of thanks it's a prayer where we praise him and in some cases to agonize we pray for others and he even said a few verses over and having uh, and of some have compassion making a difference. So I believe when we ask God, like Paul said, to fill our hearts with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, instead of focusing on the material and, 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 and focusing on the temporal, let's focus towards heaven, pray in the Holy Spirit, pray in the Holy Ghost, that we worship God, where we thank God, we love God. And I believe that the more we work on ourselves, the more we will see ourselves as, as a sinner, um, unworthy. We'll see ourselves as a sinner that God didn't have to save, that God didn't have to even give the time of day, but God called us and God uh, separated us and preserved us in Christ. How could we not, um, as, we, as we build ourselves up in our most holy faith and grow in grace and knowledge, how could we not pray any other way than in the Holy Ghost? Because we realize who we are. We realize who he is. We realize his holiness, his righteousness. And as, and as uh, Hebrews says, come boldly unto the throne. We come to him because we know what he's done for us. We know that 
Uh, he's saved us. We know that he's given us promises through the word of God that he'll be with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's promised that one day that that uh, sound from heaven will come. The sound as an archangel and the uh, the voice of an archangel, the sound of a trumpet, that Jesus will call and take the church out of here. And all the greatness and the blessings that God has for us uh, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I believe that uh, that reward just to be where God is at is our inheritance as a Christian, just to be in the presence of God bodily and physically. But he says, praying in the Holy Ghost. And last he says, Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. So as you do studying, praying, reading the word of God, seeking the Holy Spirit to lead us in truth, leads us to praying, praying the right way, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, these things are important in these last days because we're living in a crazy world. We're living in a psychotic world that doesn't know truth from error that and, and and has rejected truth and chose error but we as christians we need to have a sound mind and i believe as we study the word of god the word of god gives us a sound mind the word of god teaches us and guides us and helps us and lets us know the mind of christ and uh, we can pray in the holy ghost but we can't pray um, if if we're out in the world doing everything that the world does and of course most of our churches are so worldly that you can't tell the difference. And the world is so churchy that you can't tell the difference. But what Jude is saying is we build up ourselves. We can't just get saved and then, you know, okay, well, I'm saved now and that's it. And that's all. God requires us to live holy. God requires us that we seek him every day. God requires that we surrender and submit our will to his will. And that's a daily walk. But then we can pray in the Holy Spirit. And then he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Well, there's no way that God's love will ever not be there. There's no way that we can stop God from loving us. God loves us. And there's nothing that can change that. But we can get cold. We can get indifferent. We can get out of sorts. When we look at the future, and as I know most of us do in the things that we're dealing with today, crazy government, deceptive government, government that deceives us on every hand, media that deceives us, what church do you go to? Who do you listen to? Who's telling the truth? Who's preaching the truth? But he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Well, we have to understand that God loves us. We have to understand. And, and here's the thing. We can say generally God loves for God so loved the world, but you've got to experience God's love. I've got to experience God's love. How do we do that? Well, God's love is manifested at Calvary. God's love is experienced through Jesus Christ. When we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, we love God. We love the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how do we do that? Paul wrote in, in the fifth of Romans, we love him because he first loved us. We can't love God until we realize that God loves us. And I believe from what I understand from scriptures and being saved nearly 40 years, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, according to how Paul wrote it in Romans. 
that God's love, when we receive God, we receive the love of God through Jesus Christ. God's love is shed abroad in our hearts, and we know that God loves us, which therefore makes us love him even more when we're reading and we're studying and we're understanding and we're praying in the Holy Ghost like he tells us to do. We need that in these days because there's so much hatred. There's so much bitterness, and there's, you know, I mean, somebody hates you because you wear a red hat with words on it. Somebody hates you because you are who you are. You're a certain color. You, you were born a certain way. You're hated. There's so much hatred in this world. And it's easy for us to look at those people who hate us and hate them. But you see, God says, keep yourselves in the love of God. You keep yourself. You work on you. You ask God to fill your heart with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then let's go on to say uh, further, uh, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Brother, I tell you, mercy is what we live under every day. Mercy and grace is how God saved us through the Lord Jesus Christ. God had mercy upon us who are lost. God has mercy upon this world, but we've received God's mercy and God's grace. And mercy will take us. In fact, the psalmist says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So we need God's mercy and we need to show mercy. And if we read on, he says, um, and of some having compassion, making a difference. Well, we need some compassion. I get sick and tired of people who claim to be Christians who are cold, mean, bitter, zero compassion. They could care less about somebody and you know why? Because they become so absorbed in themselves. They become so defeated. They become so anemic. They're so uh, illiterate of the word of God that they don't know even what they're saying. But we as Christians need to build ourselves up. We need to keep ourselves. We need to have compassion. And we can't do this on our own. We need to take these steps that he's talking about and ask God to give us compassion in our heart. Listen, Jesus said, love your enemy. <laughs> Boy, try that one. You know, that's a divine touch from God, that God gives you the grace and the mercy, and God fills your heart with love and compassion to love your enemy. How can you look at a, a crackhead on the street? And I mean no disrespect by calling him a crackhead, but you look at somebody on the street who's lost. They don't even, and when I say lost, I mean spiritually lost, spiritually in darkness, and even lost in their mind. They don't even know where they're at. And we look at them and we, we just flick our nose at them. I'm better than they are. Brother, but by the grace of God, there go I. You know, that could have been any one of us. We need to thank God that it's not us. Not, not in some arrogant, proud way, but just humbly thank God that we're not this uh, street walker. We're not this person living on the street. We're not this person who is a blasphemer, an atheist, but God had mercy on us and God called us and we're saved and we know God. We're filled with the love of God. We need to have compassion on these people. And he even went to say, and others save, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, having even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now he says, um, pulling them out of the fire. I've always preached this message and this always gets to me. 
others pulling them out of the fire. If you were walking down the street and you saw a house fire, maybe a two-story house, and there was a, a person who was uh, maybe a child or a child and a mother who was on the second floor, and they were screaming for help, even though the building was ablaze, would you not try to move with fear and compassion to try to get them out of that fire? Listen, I, I don't want to be morbid, but hell is real. Hell, the Bible says in, in Luke, that the rich man cried out from the flames of hell. I'm tortured in this flame. If we as Christians realize the truth of the word of God, the faith, to honestly contend for the faith and ask God to fill our hearts with love and compassion, keep ourselves in the love of God, we will realize that hell is a real place. We will realize that eternity is real. We will realize that God's judgments are true. God's judgments will happen. And we need to move with fear and saving some, pulling them out of the fire. Now, verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, and we can actually say to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and ever. Amen. So as we look at these verses and we want to get a little a little bit uh, uh, maybe frightened by them of all these different things that are happening in the world today in the age of apostasy. He started in verse 1. He said to those who are saved, those who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, he said positionally, you are sanctified. You're set apart for God's service. And he said, you're preserved. You're kept in Jesus Christ. Why? Because God called every person who is born again. And through all the things that we see in the day that we live in, yeah, we, we, what, what he's telling us is for us, for us to be victorious, for us to live in peace, for us to have the peace of God that passes all understanding, for us to get to heaven one day and say, uh, you know, brother so-and-so, man, thank you, Jesus, that you used me to lead them to you, and now they're here. You know, all these things, but he's saying, listen, we're saved by God's grace. We're kept by God's power. It is God who will keep us from falling. It is God who will present us faultless before his presence and his glory. So it's all in, the, in God's hands. It's all by grace, Ephesians uh, 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you saved through faith it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So as we look at these verses, it's from the love of God in our hearts that we want to build ourselves up. We want to keep ourselves in that love. You know, I can think of no, no more sickening, uh, sad sight than for someone who claims to be a Christian that is bitter and angry and just self-absorbed. That is an oxymoron to what a Christian is supposed to be. Let's do these things. Let's build ourselves up. Let's pray. I'm talking pray the way he said pray, and let's keep ourselves in the love of God.
thinking of the mercy that Jesus Christ, through God and grace that he had for us.